And if you would, congregation, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 will be the text for us this second Lord's Day of Advent. Genesis 12, and we're going to read together verses 1 through 3, actually. We'll stop at verse 3, which will be our text proper for the morning had considered reading through verse 9 or so, but we'll read Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And when you arrive there, because this is the word of God and you are the people of God on the Lord's day, would you please stand if you were able to hear from the God who still speaks to his people in his word. Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1, Moses wrote as he was carried along by God's Spirit these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. On Wednesday nights, I co-teach, and if you come to the Wednesday night class, you know that I'm using co-teach in a flexible manner. I'm told by Pastor Tim, the one with whom I I co-teach, that I'm there, right brother, to provide color commentary. That's why I'm there. What that essentially means is that Pastor Tim does what Pastor Tim does so very well. He prepares. And Pastor Tim shows up with a plan, and I ruin the plan. That's my goal every Wednesday night. By the way, this is a good plug for our Wednesday night class. We're walking through foundational biblical texts, and so I'd encourage you, if you don't come to our midweek Wednesday night class, it begins at 6.30, and you have the opportunity to do so, come and join us. We're currently walking through Exodus 20. We just started Exodus 20. We're walking through the Ten Commandments together. Well, the reason I bring this up is that what this series of classes or series of courses consists of are an exposition of what we would consider to be foundational biblical texts. In other words, If asked the question, what are the handful of biblical texts you think every Christian needs to be familiar with? Of course, a question impossible to answer. But if forced to answer it, what text would you choose? And so Pastor Tim and I chose a handful of texts that we feel that every follower of Jesus Christ ought to be familiar with. Of course, I just mentioned to you one of those, Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. Well... One of the foundational biblical passages we addressed recently, actually Pastor Tim addressed, I wasn't at this class in particular, 
one of the foundational biblical texts was Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. And specifically, God's promise and covenant with Abraham. Of course, the reason why I share with you this detail about that class is to highlight the centrality of the text we are going to look at together this morning. It's essential as a follower of Jesus Christ to become familiar with God's promise to Abraham that really does trace all the way to Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. So that's what we're going to do together this morning. As you may recall, we are continuing an Advent sermon series this morning called Promises Fulfilled. And in this series, leading all the way up to Christmas Eve, we've chosen a few promises, and those promises are contained in the, in the text, in the chorus of the song we've introduced for Advent, Hope of the Ages. And so this morning in Promises Fulfilled, we're going to look at the promise of Abraham's offspring in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And if you're taking notes... We will unpack this text together by asking and answering three simple questions. Three simple questions. And and if you're with us last week, by the way, these three questions, although they're packaged a little differently than last week's outline, they essentially are the exact same outline. Here are the three questions. First, we're going to ask of this text, what did God promise Abraham? Now, he's known as Abram in Genesis 12. I'm probably going to call him Abraham throughout. He he, uh, suffers from, is blessed by, a name change a few chapters later. So Abram, keep in mind, is Abraham. We'll ask that first question, what did God promise Abraham? The second question we're going to ask and answer together this morning is, how did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? So first, what did God promise Secondly, how did God fulfill that promise to Abraham? And then finally, after looking together at what God promised and how God fulfilled this promise, we will conclude this morning by asking the question, how does this promise and fulfillment apply to us as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? So what did God promise? How did God fulfill this promise? And how does this apply? To us, as followers of Jesus Christ, right here at First Baptist Powell in 2023, just barely, right? Not much longer. Young worshipers, a couple of things for you. And so for our children in the room, I want to give them a couple of items to look for throughout the sermon. First of all, there is a word. We're going to highlight this word, okay? There's a word that appears five times in verses one through three. What is that word? And I'll give you a hint, it's not the, okay, or and. It's a significant word. Five times it appears, what is that word? Some of you have already started counting. Second, second item I want our younger worshipers looking for this morning. Who is Abraham's offspring? Who is Abraham's offspring? offspring. We will answer that bit 
in the second portion of our sermon. And so young worshipers, I'd encourage you to jot those down or log those away in your mind and interact with your parents or your grandparents later. You can even come up to me after the sermon and share with me the answers that you discovered throughout the sermon this morning. Well, let's begin by answering our first broader question. What did God promise Abraham? Now, this is not the only text in which God's promise to Abraham occurs. We find other iterations of the same promise and the same covenant. For example, I mentioned a couple of passages to you. There are many passages. Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. Really, if you you are to read Genesis 12 alongside of Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, you, you can understand the fullness of God's promise To Abraham. So that's what we're going to do, actually. We're going to read Genesis 12 alongside of Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. But to summarize our answer to what did God promise Abraham, there really are essentially two aspects. Two aspects to God's promise to Abraham. First, first, God promised divine blessing on Abraham. That's the first part of God's promise. Now, I'll give you a hint. There are three sub-points even to that first part, okay? We'll do that together in just a moment. But all of those sub-points are subsumed under this overall divine blessing that God promises to place upon or on Abraham. And then the second aspect of God's promise to Abraham, in addition to promising divine blessing on Abraham, is God promises divine blessing through Abraham to others. And that's essential to understanding this promise in Genesis 12. So God promises divine blessing on Abraham, and that divine blessing on Abraham will someday pass through Abraham to others, even to the world, as we're going to see in a few moments. Well, let's look at these in their turn. First, God promised divine blessing on Abraham. Notice how frequently the term blessing or its cognates, similar terms, are used in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. So here, young worshiper, is your answer. Look at verse 2. I will make of you a great nation, and I will what? Bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who Bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see? There are a number of ways for the biblical authors, as they're carried along by God's Spirit, to emphasize a concept. One of those ways is in two verses to repeat the word five times. Abraham's promise, that is God's promise to Abraham, consisted of blessing Now, another way to refer to or describe blessing is just to speak of God's favor or God's gift. But God's blessing, God's favor, God's gift on Abraham included three items. And I told you a moment ago, there are three kind of sub points here for us. God's blessing on Abraham is manifested in three different ways. Notice verse two. I will make of you a great nation. In other words, God's blessing included offspring, right? For God to make a great nation from Abraham, Abraham needs offspring. And at this point in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, Abraham does not have offspring. 
He does not have even the beginning of offspring. There's no son born to Abraham. And here God actually promises a great nation, a large multitude of descendants. So God's blessing included offspring and a large amount of offspring. This becomes even clearer. I mentioned to you some other texts. It becomes even clearer in those texts. Genesis 15. In fact, turn over there quickly. Genesis chapter 15. You're close. Genesis 12. Genesis 13. Genesis 14. Then Genesis 15. So you're right there. Genesis 15. Look with me at verses 1 through 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Of course, remember, same person as Abraham. In a vision, here's the word of the Lord. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Verse two, but Abram said, O Lord God. Now he understood the promise. Notice, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. In other words, God, you promised a great nation and I can't even have a son. Verse four. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, that is Eliezer of Damascus, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Verse five, and he, that is God, brought him, that is Abram, outside and said, look toward the heavens, number the stars, if you are able to number them, after all. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. There's the promise. So in Genesis 12, the promise takes the form of a great nation. Genesis 15, even more specific, right? Go outside, count the stars, Abram, if you can, and so shall your offspring be. So that's the first part of this divine blessing on Abraham. God promises a multitude of offspring to come from Abraham. Also, I want you to notice that this blessing included land, Okay, so these are all the building blocks of understanding where we're going. You're going to have to bear with me because there's tremendous payoff to really understand what God is promising in Genesis 12 and where this really blossoms, of course, as you might imagine, in the incarnation of Christ. And we'll go there in just a bit. But God's blessing included offspring and his blessing included land. Notice back in Genesis 12 verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Go from your land to the land. Land was central to God's promise to Abraham. And this is stated, by the way, time and time and time again. For example, Genesis 12, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. A number of iterations of this same promise. Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15, God says to Abraham, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring after you. This is a part of God's promise to Abraham. Now, I am tempted to do what I cannot do this morning, and I cannot do it uh, because we would be um, waiting on supper tonight. 
for me to finish. No. <laughs> One brother says, let's do it. Many of you say, oh no. Uh, thanks, brother, for that. Uh, we're not going to take the time to develop this bit in, at length, but I do want to highlight the presence of land as a part of the biblical story. You need to see this, okay? You need to get this. When God shows up, what does he promise Abraham? He promises, remember this broader theme, he promises divine blessing on Abraham. That divine blessing means offspring. And that divine blessing means land. And I want you to see throughout scripture that land really does occupy a central place in the biblical narrative. For example, the first couple of chapters in Genesis tell us the story of God preparing. It's interesting. We would probably say the earth. But in Hebrew, it's the same word. God prepares the land in Genesis 1. Interesting. God is preparing the land. The story of the Bible begins with God preparing the land for his people to dwell in. Now, what happens? Well, sin removes humanity from the land, Genesis 3. Remember this? Adam and Eve sinned, and what happened? Well, they were removed from the Garden of Eden, God's holy place. They were kicked out of God's land. And then God promises, not long later, he promises, verse, rather, chapter 12, the land to Abraham. And on the story goes, by the way, it's, it's really quite cyclical throughout Scripture. And this cycle continues. We're not going to, again, we're not going to cover all of this in such a way that, that Graham Goldsworthy, who's one I would commend to you, uh, Australian scholar, he's described the biblical story under three headings. He has said that the biblical story really is a story about God's people in God's place, God's land, under God's rule. God's people in God's place under God's rule. Okay, so get that. And we may go there in just a little bit, but just give you a sneak peek. Revelation 21, what comes out of heaven to the earth, land, the city, the new Jerusalem, you see? There's so much here, so much here, and, and we may come full circle in just a bit, but you need to understand this. What God is promising Abraham reaches throughout the biblical story all the way to the conclusion of the book of Revelation and our final eschatological hope when Jesus Christ returns and makes all things New, all right? So a lot there, but you need to get this. God's divine blessing on Abraham included offspring and it included land. And then finally, it included God himself. The greatest blessing of all. So God's blessing on Abraham included offspring, land, and most importantly, God himself. Look at Genesis 17. This is implied in our text, but look over at Genesis 17 verses 7 and 8. Again, all of this is, is foundational to understanding where we're going. Genesis 17, 7 and 8. Having you turn this morning, but we're really just kind of staying in the same basic context. So Genesis 17, beginning in verse 7, and we'll read through verse 8. I will establish, this is God speaking to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring. Okay, that's going to keep appearing. Offspring and land will continue to show up. Between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant 
Notice this, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That's essential to God's promise to Abraham, to be his God, verse eight. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. Now notice, and I will be their God. That's the promise, essentially. Like, if you were to ask me to boil all this down, the land is good news because it's the dwelling place of God. The offspring will be good news because, spoiler alert, that offspring will be God himself. God is the promise that God grants to Abraham. He does not merely promise gifts. He promises himself. Okay, so here's what we've said so far. I feel like we've been through an entire sermon already, and you're doing a fantastic job. Here's what we've said. What did God promise to Abraham? Well, he he promised divine blessing on Abraham, and that included, that divine blessing included offspring. It included land. Most of all, it included God himself. Now, there's this other aspect, and we're still under the point one, the broad question, what did God promise? Abraham. God did not merely promise blessing on Abraham and his offspring. He promised blessing through, remember this? Through Abraham and his offspring. Look at Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Again, doing a great job. You'll be very familiar with Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 after this morning. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. So God promises blessing on Abraham. Now he promises blessing through Abraham. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. So that, why? You will be a blessing. God's blessing does not stop with Abraham. (laughs) And thank God it It didn't stop with Abraham's offspring as we're going to see in just a bit. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, in you, it's a prepositional phrase, or through you maybe. It's more than that though. It's more than through. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We could substitute families here for nations. On what basis can I say that? Well, on the basis of Genesis 18, 18, and 22, 18, and many other texts. So other, other passages, instead of using the term families of the earth, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. Other passages say all the nations. Same concept. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So get this, and then we're going to go to our second question. All right? Get this. God's promise to Abraham was not merely for Abraham's benefit. Moreover, his promise was not merely for the ethnic children of Abraham. God's promise extended to all families, all nations of the earth through Abraham. The New Testament, of course, will pick up on these concepts and we will do them in injustice here in just a moment together, okay? All right, secondly, that's the first question. Remember I said there's one, there's this first question we're gonna, we're gonna answer together and it's what? What did God promise Abraham? 
Divine blessing on Abraham, divine blessing through Abraham. Second question, how did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? I'm going to mention three ways. Surprise, surprise. Three ways. I know, I got to thinking about this this week and I thought, boy, there are so many subpoints. easy to get lost here. There's, there's so much payoff here though. So much payoff if you'll walk this with me. And this is one of the reasons why I keep reviewing. I want, I want you to stay with me. And let's journey through this together. How did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? Three ways. One, I'm just going to mention to you. First, God partially fulfilled his promise in Israel. Partial. God partially fulfilled his promise in Israel. Now, I'm not going to take the time to develop this partial fulfillment, except to say this is one of the reasons why, for example, you, you, know, you read through Genesis and you get to the conclusion of Genesis and where is Israel? Where are the sons of Israel at the end of Genesis? Do you know this? Shout it out. Egypt, that's excellent. Yeah, Egypt, they're in Egypt. And then, and then the book of Exodus begins and it's not excellent. Now they're in slavery. And, and what happens? Well, they are increasing in number. They're increasing in number. And, um, well, why are they increasing in number? Well, in large part, because they're children of Abraham. And Egypt can't stop or hinder the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And this is the story of, of, of the scriptures throughout the Old Testament. Okay, so, so that's important to understand. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Israel. And the reason why I was hesitant to mention Israel because there are a lot of conversations about, well, what's the future for Israel? And I didn't want to go there. I still don't want to go there, except to say, I do believe, according to God's word, God will mercifully revisit the ethnic people of Israel on account of his promise to Abraham. I do believe that. Uh, so I feel the need to say that. I would feel like I didn't preach sufficiently on the topic if I didn't say something about it. But God partially fulfilled his promise to Abraham in and among the people of Israel. This is true. Second, so first is Israel. Second, okay. This is no longer partial fulfillment. God essentially fulfilled God fundamentally fulfilled, God finally fulfilled his promise to Abraham in Christ. So God's, God's promise to Abraham really does converge in a single person. It converges in Jesus Christ. And so the story of scripture is this. So God's people dwelling in God's place under God's gracious rule. And God makes this promise in Genesis 12 to Abraham and to his descendants. And his descendants become innumerable. So many of them, which is, by the way, the Old Testament authors go through great pains to emphasize the number of the children of Israel. Why? To demonstrate God is fulfilling his promises. But all of this results in and concludes with what? Idolatry. Israel fails. And then they get removed from the land again, even after they're taken into the land of Canaan, the promised land of Canaan. And so the Old Testament really does conclude with the hope that God would someday fulfill his promise. But it had not happened finally among the people of Israel. Not finally, not fundamentally, not essentially among the people of Israel. And then, and then Paul makes comments like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All the promises of God 
find their yes and amen in Christ. So all the promises that were at work in sustaining the people of Israel now converge on a single person, an Israelite, one born from the tribe of Judah, as we're going to see soon in this Advent series. And it's in Christ that God's promises and God's promise to Abraham is finally fulfilled. Now, another way to say this is to say that Christ is Abraham's offspring. This is what Paul said. So I didn't make that up. I'm quoting Paul. I had a professor, by the way, just a moment of levity. I had a professor uh, in college and there was a student who disagreed with the professor as college, by the way, this happens more in Bible college than it does in seminary and so forth. You know, by a seminary, if you've gone to Bible college, you're terrified to disagree with the professor. But in Bible college, you think you, you, know, you got it, right? You've arrived. And uh, there was a professor uh, who was presenting a particular view. I won't tell you all the details of that. And a, and a student had the boldness to raise his hand and say, I don't agree with you. This is what I believe the Bible teaches. And this, this professor uh, I'm going to tell you his name, actually. Daniel Wong. What a tremendous man of God he was and is, I assume. Uh, we're getting off here, but, but he was tremendous. He's, he, said, he said, ah, a friend of mine, Zach. If Zach hears this, he's going he's gonna to get me. <laughs> I said it, though, Zach. Ah, Zach, it's not that I disagree with you. It's the Apostle Paul who disagrees with you. And I thought, wow. Only in, that was the humble rebuke. So that's what Paul says. All that to say, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Listen to what Paul says, Galatians 3, 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Notice what he does here. It does not say, and to offsprings. Referring to many. Don't you love this? It really is almost as if there is a single God behind all of Scripture. It does not say into offsprings referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring. And then he says it just clearly, in case you're wondering, who is Christ? Christ is Abraham's offspring. Now, if Christ is Abraham's offspring, if he is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, then I don't miss this, and we can't tease all of it out. Then God's blessing. God's blessing on Abraham and God's blessing through Abraham converge on Christ. Mm. Wow. Yeah. God's blessing to be Abraham's God converges on the incarnate God. It's not merely that God says, you know, I'm going to be your God from a distance. No, no. Actually, the offspring I promised you, I'm him. The land I promised you. This gets, uh, this gets tremendous. If you consider land, it's a place. And throughout scripture, it's the place where God's people fellowship with the living God. 
Well, what is the place? On the one hand, the place is, is Jesus. On the other hand, Jesus will make comments like this in the, in the Gospel of John. John 14, I believe it is, verses one through three or so. Don't quote me on that. John 14, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. All this converges on the person of Christ. This is what Paul means. It's not that Christ partially fulfills God's promises. It's that he completely embodies the fulfillment of God's promises. Christ isn't merely Abraham's offspring. He's Abraham's land. The place where God dwells. He's Abraham's God. It is in Christ where the Father says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will dwell among you. Which is why, of course, as our younger worshipers reminded us when we began service this morning, remember? Which is why he is called Isaiah 7, Matthew 1, Emmanuel. God with us. So God's promise to Abraham finds its fulfillment in Christ. Now we're going to keep going. So we've said, we've said Israel experienced partial fulfillment. Christ is the fulfillment. And then third, similarly to last Lord's Day, because Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, God is also fulfilling his promise in the church. We could even say it this way, just arrange the tenses. God fulfilled his promise in Christ. God is fulfilling his promise in the church. It's happening as we speak. It's happening even this morning. So in the same letter, in the same letter where Paul tells us that Christ is Abraham's offspring, he writes these words in Galatians 3.29. Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. How about that? How about that? Most of you are Gentiles. Most of you, not all of you. If you trust in Christ this morning, you are Abraham's offspring. On what basis? On the basis of being in Christ, Abraham's offspring. He goes on to say, so if you are Christ and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Paul gives a little more detail as to how this happens in Galatians 3, verses 13 through 14. Let me read this to you. You can jot this down. You don't have to turn there, but jot this down. It's worth meditating on throughout Advent season. Listen carefully. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. How is it? This is the question. How is it that we can become children of Abraham? Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, and then he quotes Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Verse 14, here's the purpose. Why was Christ hanged on a tree? We could give a lot of answers to this question. To provide forgiveness for us. To cleanse us. But it's here in Galatians 3, notice the purpose, verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus. Okay. Remember, 
in you, Abraham, in you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. All the families of the earth. And then later, in your offspring, Paul, using the same prepositional phrase, now says, in Christ Jesus. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's why Christ died. Christ died becoming a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come to us as Gentiles. And then he goes on to say, additionally, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I'm I'm probably saying far too much. But the coming of the Holy Spirit is in part the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. What did God promise? God promised himself. Christian, this is what you have in the gospel. If you've trusted in Christ, if you know Christ, you've been given God through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Moreover, moreover, Remember the land God promised? Who becomes the land? The land is the place where God dwells. Revelation 21. The new city, Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven. And then we find out that the new city is not a city after all. It's a people. It's referred to in Revelation 21 as the bride. Who's the bride? The church. So in a, in a tremendous sense, I'm not saying this is all that there is, but in a tremendous and profound sense, now we become, God's people become God's place in which God dwells. That's what happens through the incarnation, life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in fulfillment of Genesis 12 and God's promise to Abraham. So the promise given to Abraham was for you, church. It's for you. We arrive at our final question this morning. I hope, I hope I've not lost you. If I have, forgive me. Go back and listen a few more times, and if that doesn't help, pray for me, okay? Our final question this morning, how does this apply to us? (laughs) It seems silly to ask it now, doesn't it? How does this apply to us, people who house the living God in fulfillment of the promise God granted to Abraham? But let me just point out a couple of ways this applies to us, that is the promise and the fulfillment given to Abraham. And there are many other ways. You can, you can talk with your family, your friends later about other ways this actually calls us to a life of faith and obedience. First, let me give you two. First, we'll wrap up with this. First, trust in Christ, the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Trust in Christ, Abraham's offspring. Trust in Christ, Abraham's land. Trust in Christ, Abraham's God. That's how this grows legs and walks. 
in our lives. And we talked about this, but we'll, we'll say this again in another way because the word of God says it over and over and over again in so many ways. When we, are, when we are calling one another to trust in Jesus Christ, we are not calling one another to trust in a mere man. We're calling one another to trust in the incarnate God. John chapter 8, another passage you don't have to turn to. You can just jot it down, but these passages are just wealthy. John 8, verses 39 and 40, Jesus is dialoguing with Jewish leaders and they answered Jesus. They don't like what Jesus said. And so they say to him, well, Abraham is our father. Wrong statement. <laughs> Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. By the way, what work did Abraham do? According to faith. Faith in whom? God. He's, Jesus is already implying who he is at this point. If you belong to Abraham, you would trust God, which means what? You would trust me. Verse 40, this is John 8, which isn't the text we're expositing this morning, I know. It's all part of the same book. John 8, verse 40. But now you seek to kill me. Not only, not only are you not trusting me, you're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, of course, from the Father. This is not what Abraham did, Jesus said. And then he becomes more explicit a bit later. Same, same chapter, John 8, verses 56 through 58. Here's what Jesus says, beginning in verse 56. To, to these dense Jewish leaders, a lot like me probably. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Verse 57, the Jews responded as anyone would respond. You aren't 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? Abraham? Jesus said in verse 58, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he meant because they picked up stones to stone him for claiming to be God. By the way, some of you know this, others of you don't, that's okay. That statement, I am, is a quotation from Exodus 3 and a whole host of other texts in the Old Testament where God gives his name to his people. What Jesus is claiming here is equality with God. He's claiming to be the great I am. When we exhort one another to trust in Christ, we are not exhorting one another to trust in a mere man. We are exhorting one another to trust in the incarnate God, who, who rescues us by means of his perfect obedience to the Father. 
who rescues us by means of his death on the cross, becoming a curse for us, who rescues us by means of his burial. He rescues us by means of his bodily resurrection from the dead. He rescues us by means of his appearances. He rescues us by means of ascending into heaven and sitting at the right hand of the Father. And someday he will come finally to rescue us when he raises the dead and makes all things new. So this is the Jesus we're calling one another as followers of Jesus Christ to trust. And friends, if you're here this morning and you don't consider yourself a believer in Christ, this is the Jesus I exhort you to trust this morning. This is what Advent is all about. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what life is all about. Trust in the God who became human for you and for the glory of the Father. If you'd like to talk more about this, please stick around after service. Please stick around after service and have a conversation with us. We would love to come alongside of you and you alongside of us as we learn what it means to treasure and trust this Jesus. You can meet us outside these doors to the left out there in the room called Crossroads. We'd love to meet with you. Second, second, In addition to trusting in the fulfillment of God's promise in Christ, live as children of Abraham. That's the second way I thought we could kind of summarize the way this calls us to a life of faith and obedience in Christ. Live as children of Abraham. So in Christ, you actually become, as we've said a moment ago, you become God's means for rescuing the nations. In Christ, you become God's dwelling place. In Christ, right, God himself lives in you by means of the Holy Spirit. This impacts everything. It changes everything. Live as a child of Abraham. Be someone who is committed to taking the gospel to all families of the earth in fulfillment of God's promise in Genesis 12. Because the gospel has come to you, church, may the gospel go through you to others. This is one of the reasons why Pastor Tim, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, wanted to talk more and more about going with the gospel during Advent season. And I thought, well, there's no time more appropriate for doing so than that. God has come to us so that then, of course, God might go through us to others. So take this gospel to the nations. And by the way, this means taking this gospel to your family. Your family is a part of the nations. Take this gospel to the Powell community. Take this gospel to Knox County. Take this gospel to Tennessee. All a part of the nations in fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Live as children of Abraham. And then I'll kind of just highlight one more bit of this as you seek to live as children of Abraham by God's grace. Recognizing that we are God's dwelling place. That in Christ, we become God's land. God himself lives in us. This changes how we view all of life. So who am I then? Who am I to my children? A broken father, indeed. (laughs) One in process of growing in Christ's likeness, absolutely. But by God's grace to my children, 
I'm God's presence. And and don't misunderstand me. This is not a, hey, feel guilty because you're not living according to God's presence because guess what? No one here is. But it's more than that. It's more than that. You see, the Christian life has more to do, I think, with recognizing what God has done decisively for us in Christ and then living out of the freedom of knowing that's ours. And so now I'm free, not driven by guilt. I'm free to go with repentance and faith to be the dwelling place of God in my own home, among my children, with my wife, with my church family, with my friends, trusting that God is working through me. And this is the case, by the way, we could take each one of you trusting in Christ. It's the case in your Life, live like a child of Abraham, which is another way of saying live in light of God's presence in you. He's in you if you are in Christ. And so live out of that presence. We're out of time. Much we could say, much I have said, but let's wrap up with a quick summary and a simple song. How about it? I will not sing it. We've answered three questions. Just to summarize this, what did God promise Abraham? He promised his blessing on Abraham, right? Offspring, land, and God himself. And he promised his blessing through Abraham to the nations. Second, how did God fulfill this promise? Well, he partially fulfilled it in Israel, but he essentially fulfilled it in Christ. And because of Christ, he is fulfilling it in the church, in you, and in me, because of his grace. Finally, how does this apply to us? Well, it calls us afresh to trust in Christ this morning. And he calls us by God's grace to live as children of Abraham, taking the gospel to the nations, taking God, as it were, to our own households and our own community, our own families, our own friends. Many of you are doubtless familiar with the popular children's song, that I'm going to mention here. I think it provides a fitting conclusion, a little levity for us, but truth nonetheless, after all that we've said. You know this, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Should I have you stand up and do this with me? No, I won't. Some of you are like, I'm out of here if he does that. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham I am one of them, and so are you if you're trusting in Christ. We'll add that caveat, right? I am one of them, and so are you, and this is a fitting conclusion. So let's all praise the Lord. Let's pray together.